Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. I am your host, Trent Russell, and today our guest is Rajeshwar Sundarishan from the Tysir Group in Qatar. Uh, Rajeshwar was one of the founding members of IAA Qatar. He's also, he was recognized by Richard Chambers, the former president and CEO of the IIA and current senior internal audit advisor to Audit Board as one of the top thought leaders in the audit profession from 2022. So this is a continuation of our Beacon Award Series winners. Some of the areas that we hit on, uh, stakeholder management and expectations fraud prevention. Do we really care if we find the AP clerk that is scheming some uh, money from the organization versus a more corporate wide type fraud based on incentives and areas such as that? The audit committee and how to get them what they actually want and, and what they need, how to determine what that is. And then soft skills for CAEs. We've talked about that a little bit in the past. Uh, Norman Marks spoke about active listening being his number one. So we hit on that a little bit as well. And then audit reports. I feel like with and the way we talk about it, audit reports being the product that audit effectively sells. If that's our thing, is that communication, then what should our mindset be when putting those together? I know I've gotten caught up in the details of those before. Spent probably way too much time tweaking a word or two when if I would have just pulled myself out of it and gone, oh, this is the actual point of doing this, then maybe it would have been a little easier to put together and probably more effective as well. So here we go. I know one of your area of expertise is stakeholder management and and just kind of the conversation we had off camera a little bit. You were talking about that from the perspective of a CAE. But then the other perspective being cultural differences and how stakeholder management is a little different in your part of the world as opposed to my part of the world. So with that said, I'll kind of leave the question open-ended and just let you riff, if, if, if you will, uh, on that topic. Thank you, Tram, for uh, that question. You know, the first thing about stakeholders management is if you try to please everyone, you will please no one. So we can't. If you Typically, in internal audit, there's a plenty of stakeholders. If you see, uh, we have uh, board of directors, audit committee, CEO and management, government, some employees, customers, suppliers, and so many of them. And the, all of them have certain expectations from auditors. So even regulators, that's expectation that we do our job so that we may need 
regulatory non-compliance would be, uh, I mean, brought out early and we do correct reality. So stakeholders are very critical for internal auditors to do well and also to also to ensure that we uh, we deliver value to the to all of them. Of course, not at the the same degree. It starts with the core stakeholders, which is your audit committee and board. But if you are a CAE or a auditor, so they dare audit unit even otherwise. So I read a very nice uh, statement says it has taken me all my life to learn what not to say. Yes. So, you know, sometimes when you're in an audit committee meeting or in a, in a conversation with the senior management, we should always be very careful in say, putting across our recommendations or our findings in a very tactical way. Finally, it is all about getting things done. Even I tell my staff uh, that our product is our report. We are not able to sell our product. We are not. We are not done anything worthwhile. We do not add value. That means we are not able to substantiate our recommendations. We are not properly don't have enough data to dictate something which we have uh, probably uh, spend a lot of time in that work. And but it is not. And it will come again as a repeat recommendation because if the if the audit client don't implement our recommendation, it will come as a again as a repeat in the next order. So it has no value. That means all the times we spend in writing the report at presenting and all that will go waste. So there are three things that we think one is the value that we provide for the stakeholders. Second is the performance that as an auditor expected by the stakeholders. And what are the finally in, in audit the one thing that said is the risk. One of the risks you know, yeah. the, how do you prioritize risk and how do you, whatever recommendation you need to mitigate that. So, so then this would finally, as an auditor, internal auditor, we are all consulted as a consultant. To some extent, we have to consult, give a consulting, sort of take every auditor as a consulting assignment to bring that value. And we have to facilitate the risk management, there are separate risk management. We have to ensure that the risk management settlements giving is dependable and it brings out all that is needed. And here, I have issues and uh, probably any um, uh, scenarios that is emerging. We have to alert the management about it and identify any new risks. So these, all these are able to create all these major uh, responsibility internal auditors is for balancing the expectations of state different stakeholders. Because yeah. finally, a sustainable, successful organization is what part of the most. Yeah. If there was, because there are so many stakeholders, and especially depending on who, we'll just say the, the report um, that we're issuing or the insight that we're telling someone or whatever it may be, uh, but I guess more specifically to the report, and the advice I think that was given to me that I appreciated the most was to look from that person's perspective and kind of ask like, what do they care about? And that what, cause it, there's so many, 
the control owner might get the report, management might get the report, senior management might get the report, audit committee gets the report. Um, and so even like tweaking those just a little bit to make them fit each person and going, okay, this is the finding or this is the insight, this is the assurance that we provided, however we want to communicate that, and then looking at it and go, why does this person care about it? Okay, let's make the messaging work for that person, why we think they care about it. Is there, if I was looking for practical how-tos, that would be one. Is there anything else that you could add to that? You know, you know, I'm from this, the Middle East, we don't have many uh, companies which are listed mm-hmm. in asset as in the shareholder companies. Most of them are neither government organizations or private organizations run by few big family. You know, we have the, the oil and gas the Middle East is known for that kind of that is not subject. So it changed the stakeholders expectation changed drastically in the last 30 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons is all these countries in the Middle East started investing in oil and gas explorations, and Qatar is one of the one of the top uh, gas LNG exporting countries and LNG exploring countries also. Uh, so we are so we are into the puppet and some of the people have gone up so much. So one of the things when we explore is spending money on oil and gas is that we have to tie a bit for technology the top global companies. So like Mobile Oil, Exxon Mobile, those big names, or Total, you know, those names, they work with, with the, some good practices of governments, transparency, uh, and uh, right reporting, in and now ESG, or all other things, so technology risk. So they work with a lot of good practices or leading practices. So the stakeholders, started become aware of these are how good organizations are run. So where do they go? They come to our day. Can we bring all these things in our organization? Can we have, say, for example, transparency international brings out with a you know list of countries where the top which are top in terms of government in terms of fraud or removal and good practices and the loss. So all these countries wanted to move their were currently out in the daily so that they are burning with the top country. So all the best practices, you know, leading practices came through these global companies, organizations, who tied up with local companies. Otherwise, this part of the world, as I mentioned, of course, I don't know how far it is interesting, because some part of the world still the practice may be there. These are family-related businesses. And family brings it down there if they get Standards, family ethical standards. And that became the bo- uh, that became the basic on which the whole thing is built. In fact, that is also marketing standpoint. So from the company where I work, we are very strict more tolerance for any misconduct. We also have to say never cheat the customer, whether we lose money, doesn't matter. No, don't cheat customer. So these became hard selling uh, factors for the Thank organization you. because People are lying on messaging to, uh, you know, the practices of the the founders. Yeah. So these are a few things which changed over a period of time or evolved in this part of the world, and that brought a lot of awareness. And that in the internal audit flights, we did not because 
ಅದ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಟು ಮೈನ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಕಲ್ಚರಲ್ಲಿ ದಿಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಕನ್ ಆರ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಕನ್ಸಿಡರ್ಡ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ನೈಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಯು ಪಾಯಿಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಡೆಫಿಶಿಯನ್ಸಿ ಯು ಪಾಯಿಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಅಪ್ ಆರ್ ಇಟ್ ಆಸ್ ದ ಕರಿಯರ್ ಸೊ ಯು ನೋ ದಿ ದಿಸ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಫರ್ಮೇಷನ್ ಇಟ್ ಬ್ರಾಟ್ ಔಟ್ good auditors and we one of the things which as internal auditors and one of the founders of our networking platform is that to bring awareness and bring Qatar international suite to mainstream as auditors got it yeah i know you've been very instrumental in launching the kind of ia out there and helping that grow so i know you i know you've done a ton of work on that end also um which i'm sure the ia and then the rest of the audit profession appreciates uh very much for doing that but the you mentioned fraud a little bit and i know that's another area of expertise for you and what i get curious about with fraud is a lot of times when we're doing analytics work with groups it's a lot of times it's basically hey we want to find fraud um not always but that's what i think all auditors enjoy that to a degree it's interesting um it's kind of fun especially if it if you're doing some kind of financial statement audit testing all the time then um maybe it gets even mundane for some it did for me but finding fraud is exciting i think if we really were honest about it but what i'm curious about is there's the hey there's the ap clerk that has stolen $10,000 this year or someone set themselves up as a vendor and they're just cashing checks to themselves and that's great and wonderful like we should find that and weed it out and everything but to me it's more the the fraud that is a cultural type issue where we have like over here the Wells Fargo case is one that I like to point to where it was there was this culture of fraud in that the incentive plan was open up a bunch of accounts basically and you're going to get rewarded and anytime i feel like you have incentive plans like that uh people are going to make sure that they work the system to get what they are incentivized for. So, do you think we're kind of missing the mark on that though? Is should the should there be more emphasis on what I would call a culture of fraud relative to incentives as opposed to okay, let's go find this AP clerk that's, you know, again, selling 10,000, 100,000 whatever it is. What's your perspective on that? So, your perfect uh in city that um We, actually, one thing is what you mentioned is true. We, are, we get excited and find some fraud. And it can also be a silly point for our report. Hello. To bring more, uh, more uh, controls, to bring better systems, and also to get awareness of the people that they should focus on uh, good practices. So if, if that's helping now, Uh, setting internal audit, at least to get uh, some theory. They want, when you mention about fraud people, okay, what is that you're going to say? So you get, okay. but the real fraud, you know, there are both internal and external. Internal fraud mainly like corruption, where we get bribery, or, uh, some extortion, more conflict of interest, this sort of thing you create your own companies and businesses. That So these are internal. Then asset misappropriation people can take it and don't pay for it, stuff like that. And even non-financial reporting, they can also be fraud because some people are driven by incentive. You know, particularly the top people, they're driven by incentive. They get paid for 
based on the profitability. So they can distort some of the things and bring out. That's where where real revenue leakage or uh, you do really injustice to the company compared to that. Of course, now external frauds also become very critical. Like something like cybersecurity, loan, we take a lot of problems with credit, uh, financial credit, and sometimes credit card, insurance fraud, depending on the, the vertical in which the company operates. So it's, uh, it's external frauds also. Uh, it's uh, to be watched and particularly cyber and other the phishing attacks and stuff like that. Vendor frauds, a lot of vendor frauds come up uh, through phishing and other attacks. So internal frauds, we need to have strong systems and controls. So this is where uh, something like a fraud risk assessment we should be doing and uh, we should be wearing it uh, uh, we should have the courage to report what we find. So if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for everything. Yeah. You know, so we should be willing to stand up and say, based on facts, not fiction. So it should be based on fact, substantiated with probability evidence, and not just hearsay or discussion. So I I have also, as an auditor, Opportunity, not I don't call it the opportunity. I had that, yeah, I had to uh, present at least 12 fraud cases to the senior criminal court of, for financial crimes in the state of Qatar mm-hmm. for my company. I was the chief prosecuting witness. But you know, okay, many of those are not okay, except one or two are high people involved with a very high level. But since company has taken a stand, not all rights. We had to find the page, punish the uh, people, punish the people who perpetrate, who had done this fraud, so that others won't do it. Because people start with small things and try to do big, bigger things. So, what in my experience, we found that you know there is it's the fraud in this part again coming back to money region because they expatriate work. Something like 80% of the workforce are expatriates, not nationals. So nationals are very small in numbers. So expatriate workforce coming from different backgrounds, coming with different uh, sea culture. Yeah. You know, and they bring with them uh, sort of, uh, uh, and, and they, they cannot get a citizenship yet. So they try to make money big. Because many of them won't even come with their family, so they are to, they come mainly to make money. I won't generalize it. There are a few sections of people from not across the world, because I, I don't want to say it's from any part of the world, across the world who come to that sort of background and who try to make quick money and live, which is which creates more fraud opportunity. Yeah. Because again, many colorful culture, there are three things, you know, the opportunity then in the Greek, and then rationalization. So rationalization is the culture part. Yeah. Who do you help? Why I should not be getting more money? Other person is getting money. Why I'm leading everything and coming to this art, the world, or be so much work? So this rationalization is a cultural part. Of course, greed is the bigger part. Even well-paid employees want to make more money faster than, you know, they go through a process of earning. Uh, okay process getting 
better pays and all. So, in the as an auditor, one important lesson I learned is don't assume that we know. Learn. Yeah. Because we have to keep our eyes and ears open. We have to have that you know, creative thinking of identifying something abnormal and making still you know, need to be skeptical. Always skeptical. And yet, no, we say this part of we say that in God we trust, the rest we order. Yeah. So we have to be that skeptical to find out whether it is big or small, the the, the abnormalities and go deep into it to prove that after it goes through a risk, what is the impact, what is the probability and what is the likelihood probability and what is the impact to spend more time and resources for investigating. So we have to take culture, of course, is one factor, but culture, of course, are we going to talk about culture strong at the top? Our Thompson, how they bring down that role modeling when it comes to good practices? There's a, we always pull a quote from the show, and I always like when I can tell, like, yep, that's going to be the quote. So as soon as you said, don't assume you know, learn. And I wrote it down. Like, yep, there's the quote. That's a good one. I like that. So I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that quote. That's very nice. Um, I'm always curious about the relationship that the chief audit executive has with the audit committee, uh, with the board, et cetera. Uh, it's obviously a, a very critical one. And I feel like the best thing we could do is to give the audit committee what they want. Um, I think some people struggle with knowing what that is, though. So on for any given audit committee and maybe it's a little different because culturally like we've talked about already but how do you know what they want and what to give them well that's a that's a nice question um i mean i i read it somewhere you know you never stop learning and teaching you thought it come. the day you stop learning better retire yeah that means you have to pick the right and you have to be very astute giving them what they want. And always they come up with something new. And, and most of the time, in my experience, or 20 years, the audit summary composition changes. You know, people keep changing and uh, they can the new person brings some new perspectives, new ideas. So what they need, there is no perfect audit committee paper. That, you know, you have that pretend say that uh it, it, I mean, they cannot ask any more personal and you are given the perfect bit. We can always do better. So every apparently meeting, and now nowadays it's more frequent. Post-COVID, they found new problem, new dimension in, in thinking about, you know, sustainability and new other better practices. Yeah. So there is something which always comes up as new and we need to learn or we have to look for expertise from outside. So... When we present our committee, uh, we should give something new to them, novelty to them. But novelty makes it interesting. Well, they are not interested in really to say analytics or financial reporting. Okay, we need to give them something which make them think, which relate, relate with, uh, relate with uh, the business they have in hand, and probably make it universal enough to understand, specific enough to be interesting. So it should be universal enough for them to understand because these people may not have ideals about energy, many things. So should be universal enough to be, you know, and uh, 
to be understandable or relatable and at the specific enough to be interesting. So we have to have a mix of both and to give our big committee what according to you is what they should be looking at it I, from the point of view of managing business. So organizational, uh, important to be given to the organization's uh, benefit rather than, you know, you scoring a point as a good audit. How are you giving something which they value and use it for the purpose of improving business? Or whether it is competition, or whether it is product, or whether it is uh, people, what is that something novelty that you bring in, in the reporting? So for that, we need to keep track of, you know, the, one of the most important things we need to know is we need to possess the audit equipment. Our business equipment, how, how business is ran, how it turns something into a value or make it make profitable, what goes through the process of making, you know, the transition between product to profit. So they should know that well, and we should relate with that our audit points, rather than really, I found many cases where it is just a financial analysis. You no, know, if you tell one, they already know it's no use. They feel very bored. They feel bored and start, you know, just leaving it for a meeting, leaving the meeting in short time. So it is important that to identify what interests are and make it relatable, make it uh, you know, valuable, and present it in a manner, in, in a very concise, written, right. in a very concise manner, so that they take it form and they can, you know, find it meeting to scale. I like the, is it interesting? So that's something I, I would add to my kind of checklist for audit committee reporting. So when we work with folks to basically develop their audit committee uh, reports annual and, and quarterly and add data visualizations and make it actually be effective, uh, impactful communication. I think something that I'm going to add is we have, you know, have a series of questions we ask ourselves as we go through it, but is this interesting, is a good way to put, to ask a similar question in, do they care or why do they care about this? So I think we'll, we'll add that, is this interesting? That's a really good takeaway. I appreciate that. There was, we had a recent guest that was talking about, and we, this topic isn't, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it's not interesting because we're about to talk about it, but it's definitely not novel in the sense that there's a, there's been a lot written. I know Richard Chambers has written about the, you know, characteristics of a great internal auditor. Uh, I'm sure others have as well. And one that I thought was interesting that I heard recently was active listening as a important soft skill. And the importance of that, not only in our work life, but in our personal life. Um, and I, I kind of took that to heart. And I think that is very important. But if there was one for you, and maybe you go, yep, that's mine. You just stole my answer. Active listening. That's my number one. So I don't have anything to say. So let's, maybe if that is your number one, we'll say, what's your number two then? Kind of most important soft skill as a CAE. And then also follow that up with how can we actually develop that skill. Yeah, I think in, uh, there was a study of uh, Institute of Auditor, Internal Auditors. I was also in the committee of that you know, when I was in the committee for education and um, research. You know, they did uh, the common body of knowledge. Mm. Uh, for the study on common body of knowledge, I think for about 
three or four years old, communication was among the top skills for internal work. One of the top three skills. Yeah. For five years, contributing. So it, it has always been uh, number one, one of the top uh, skills, uh, soft skills uh, for auditors. Of course, they need hard skills to develop sort of soft skills. So, um, so other than that, um, well, what I would say for one of the critical things for auditors is creativity. You know, and then creatively looking at things, that is the perspective where questioning everything, whether it is, what it's, you know, we call it C's, what is the before C's, what is the condition, what is the criteria, what is the correct reaction, what are the consequences. So the way of looking at every observation in the four C's, or five C's, you put a very deep creative uh, process of uh, diagnosing the issues and finding out the right solution. So this one creative thinking is very important skill. Um, other than that, you know, we are behavioral skills. Behavioral skills are very critical. One that can, that includes confidentiality. We have to keep on because many people at their own lane down, but by nature they are they can't take any secret. You know, they mm-hmm. try to. So I used to be like that. So I now I can't. I never was to keep secret. Now my wife says that you don't tell anything. So <laughs> my work has no, I don't separate my personality at home and at work. So confidentiality is very important. And of course, uh daring down your ability to um, have an inquisitive mind. Because sometimes you never know, you know, you should not you never know where the solution or where the ideas can come from. It can be a new ability to deal with people at all levels. When it's probably a no worker in the shop floor to his manager or his general manager, your ability to cut across in the right communication, right way of communicating with them and get the best from the out of them, and bring out some of some amazing uh, findings or, uh, for the benefit of the organization. So this ability to interact, it is it also means social skills, interaction skills, interaction skills, your ability to develop, uh, say, trusted respect with them. Because they should also, when they say, we should not take against them. So they should get that trust and we should give that respect in respect of their level without message in yeah. the hierarchy. So these are the few uh, must-haves, according to me, for a good interval auditor. And I, in my experience, sometimes I don't see something in a, when I'm and looking at certain documents or uh, certain data. But my assistant at the lower level, he's just an auditor, he don't know about stuff. He brought out some amazing observation. And, and when he developed and very well, he figured he found something, something totally wrong happening. Of course, in terms of uh, uh, wrong, uh, wrong in terms of principles. Of course, somebody was making money in the process, but also we are not good to our customers. Mm-hmm. So I can't distrust anything more than that. Yeah. But it, it identified that was that was an organizational risk or a business risk. 
company going out of business. So it was such a significant earnings we are now by asking one of my assistants where at the uh, on at the audit level, audit assistant level to look at it and tell his tell the finding tell his observation. So we need to we need to our own stuff. We need to find and then we went across the data chain to unearth something wrong happening. So these things are very critical and we should nurture it and sincerely work on it. Yeah. One thing I appreciate about talking to CAEs is getting kind of those like high level um, mindsets almost and not being in the weeds so much, which is extremely difficult, I think, for a lot of uh, auditors, myself included, more so on the data end. I know I've gotten caught up and chasing something that looks odd in the data. And then five hours later, I pull myself out and I go, oh yeah, this actually has nothing to do with the objective of this audit. I just got super curious about it and wanted to figure out what this was. And so I know that's hard for other folks also in other disciplines within audit to get caught up in the details. And with what I'll just say is the audit report or audit communication being the most important thing I feel like that we could we could really do. Um, What's what's the one thing or maybe the, the mindset that we should have when putting together that audit report, as I'll say it, or audit communication? What's the mindset there? What's the perspective we should have so that it, we don't do all this work and then have this report, then people go, yeah, that's great. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, one important statement I like the most is quality influence. Quality influence. Mm-hmm. Your report should influence. Influence someone who thinks uh, like the message should be there and make someone else to think about it. And the second thing is the power. Power of the report is very critical. If you write negative thing, people don't like to read. They didn't stop reading in between. Or they just skip through. So the tone should be positive, tone should be friendly, tone should be enticing, tone should be said that you were educative or something informative. So the tone of the report, the entire report, when you read, the idea that formed in the mind is the tone. So that when you read the report, you get, oh, he's, this fellow is negative, this fellow is disgusting. So that we should always keep that tone friendly and purposeful and useful and that influence the reader. So trying to influence is one critical thing I like the most. And second is, uh, um, the two things I said, striping influence and the tone. Second, what is in it for me, which comes again in the report. If the reader of the report keep find, uh, find uh, something which is which he can use it, he or she can use it for their business, what they are doing, their, their, whether their function, well, maybe something on procurement. The thing should be one of the recording should be they should be able to bring out the change and improve the business or improve yeah. the whatever they are doing. So what is in it in it for me is very critical. And now we have gone away from just hindsight to inside to now we are going to foresight. So you know like predictive modeling, whatever is uh, you can use uh, with the tools available, bring that newness, something which probably they not looked at it in 
the way we look. They see the same thing, but they don't think the same way. So we have to find the way that makes them uh, him, so interested in knowing what could happen. So so they bring that foresight or something like a predictive or something, which is uh, another thing which can help in uh, reports making it more valuable. Tell me another the last last one is that emerging issues. What are the emerging issues or emerging problems? Even early, uh, see early uh, say warning or early opinion for that they're getting prepared. We don't put it rank it as high and medium low. Here it's something which uh, which they can I mean work on as a whether it's a true and how it can impact the business, something. So a, a good report can contain these three, four elements. Yeah, I like the emerging issues piece. I've seen that in a few audit committee decks. It doesn't have to be a ton there, but just you know enough to go, hey, heads up, this is important. This is why we think it's important. This is why you think you should think it's important and seeing those on there. I know audit committees uh and boards alike tend to appreciate those uh kind of what's on the radar things to keep our um keep an eye on i like the you're talking about the friendly tone in the audit report we took there was a team they had four different audit groups so let's just say there's a north east west actually there's five north east west south and then there's like an it audit group and i was curious how different the tone of each group read because it wasn't one person that was doing all the reports each group was a little different and maybe even culturally or you know where they're from in the world might impact or or have an effect on how their tone was relative to someone else's so anyway we did a sentiment analysis of those reports and i think we just did it on the cause i'm trying to recall now um where we just took the causes from each one labeled the team that it came from, and then ran it through a sentiment analysis. And for those who don't know, a sentiment analysis, basically it tells you, hey, this language, the wording of it sounds friendly, it sounds sad, it sounds joyful, it, it reads the words and then tries to apply uh, an emotion to it. Every single one of them was negative. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, like a high level sentiment analysis is just like negative, positive, neutral. Uh, Hardly any were positive, almost all were negative. And that was my kind of hypothesis because especially in those we're saying this person did not do this. This person got this thing wrong or, you know, whatever. Obviously the language is a little uh, better than that, but it, it saw all those nots and didn't do and should have, and it went negative, 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 negative. So there wasn't a, a ton to really, uh, be able to be done easily to do that at the time. But I think with things like uh, large language models, chat GPT, if you can get away with it, one of my favorite use cases has been throw the audit report in there and tell it, hey, write this in a friendlier manner with a seventh grade reading level um, in an active voice, for example. And it, it makes it significantly better. So even if, I guess, some advice there, you probably don't want to put your audit reports into a chat GPT um, necessarily, but you can tweak it to where you can throw it in there and get some feedback or take, you know, take a 
one that's publicly available and throw it in there and go, oh, okay, now that does read better. I like that. So anyway, uh, that's just a uh, one-off story of when we did a sentiment analysis from uh, various auto reports. But anyway, I'll stop talking now. With that said, I appreciate, again, your perspective. The we, we talked about this a little bit off camera also. We've had folks from various parts of the world, and we haven't really talked culture differences and how that impacts internal audit. Uh, depending on what part of the world you're in. So really appreciate the insight there. I thought that was super interesting. With that said, though, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? Okay. Uh, from my experience, you know, for our all audit literacy, one of the things is don't give up. Sometimes we don't give enough time to ask, suppose, I better a new boss or not a chair. I don't initial interaction could be not so comfortable or not so friendly, or not to our reality because we have got used to someone for so many years or five years or even more. But you don't expect him to be in the same age as the previous person. So we tend to feel, oh, it's not going to work. So give up. Sometimes give yourself time. Sometimes a lot more time. Because don't just give away five minutes, two months, whatever time you do it. Work on you, work on yourself. Because you know, each person comes with different background, they have different expectations. He may also judge you in a different scale compared to the previous person. You may not have the full idea about what you're contributing, what value you are adding, what cost it is. They know that some people related what also was value when audit department is it's really not able to put that together. Yep. So of course are it not a depends on the person who who work with us. So we again separate another thing is like I said always think audit report is your product. And you all say it's you have to sell your product. You don't sell your product let's say it's money could be a free audit. So bring that value in your product and only you can do. And you have to bring, if you're a CAE, you have to bring it to your last auditor, the junior most auditor, the thing you should be the same. Not to just write few reports, but add that value to the product, which is sale. And these, uh, and for, for that, you know, you need corporate competency, Character, character, including tone of the report, and your charisma that you bring out, you know, that affiliation with people, a relatability with people, and you carefully craft every year with creativity and correct content. Content of so that is that can that is that is the mantra for success. I'm in outfit for 30 years. So my mantra for success is no, bring that competence, bring that character, bring that charisma, and carefully craft with creativity and crediting content. 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.